There's nothing like our own story, our own pain, our own joy to share with the world. We often give most impactfully from those places where we've received a whole lot. We often find our purpose in the places we've been, the brokenness we've bumped up against, the need that we've felt. On today's episode, we get to hear from Michael Lee. He shares his own personal story, his entrepreneurial adventures, and his commitment to support entrepreneurs in what can be a lonely and difficult journey. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I have the pleasure of having a conversation today with Michael Lee. He's the CEO and founder of Reconciled, which is an online accounting firm for entrepreneurs um, and small business owners, as well as the co-founder of Humanly and Punch Pay. So today we're going to talk about Michael's work, his journey, his story and passions. And then as we move towards the end of the conversation, uh, we're going to share some exciting news about the Surge Entrepreneurs Collective, which we're going to be launching in the spring. So make sure and stick around for the end of the conversation. Uh, Michael, it's so glad I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Tina. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be on. I don't, this isn't actually your first time on the podcast, right? I think I think Jim had me on several years ago when he was uh, when the podcast was early on, and uh, Jim and I have been a very close friends uh, for a long time. So, uh, got to have a conversation with him. Then I was early on in in my reconciled venture. That's great. So we we get to have a little bit of a how it was going then and how it's going now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, just to get us started, um, share a little bit about the businesses that you lead currently and give people an idea of what your personal daily work looks like in those. Yeah, that's great. Great, Tina. Uh, the, my, main, my main and kind of biggest company that I had a chance to start about seven years ago is called Reconciled. We're an online accounting firm. We serve hundreds and hundreds of small businesses across the country. We basically serve as their back office. So we handle all of their accounting function, anywhere from financial reporting to bank reconciliations, payroll, processing, accounts payable, accounts receivable management, anything that an accounting department and a small business would handle or a business owner themselves would handle for their business. We we take care of them in order to free them up to run their, their business. And so that has been my love and passion for about seven years. And I continue to run that. I, it's a much bigger company today. Even um, since the first interview I had with Jim, we uh, we have both employees here in the U.S. and contractors, as well as employees in three other countries, yeah. as well that we that we utilize uh, across the world. So uh, about seventy or so people across the world that, and we serve, I think seven hundred, eight hundred small okay. businesses across the U.S. Yeah, so it's it's a big endeavor, and I have a great leadership team that runs most of the day-to-day and allows uh, frees me up and allows me to focus kind of strategy, culture, uh, fundraising, and, and the future growth of the company. Uh, so that's reconciled. And then probably about a few years ago, I had the fortune of helping start a online HR practice called Humanly. Mm-hmm. Uh, an HR expert came to me who had experience, um, strong experience in HR background, uh, wanted to take Reconciled's model of, of serving small businesses remotely across the country and shift that over into the HR realm. And so my co-founder, Laura Pillsbury, uh, helped her launch the business. She runs that business day-to-day. She's the CEO. 
And uh, I get a chance to kind of coach her, mentor her, be a co-founder, help her where I can, and basically give her a reconciled playbook on, on how to grow a, a online services firm. And then PunchPay um, is a venture that uh, started um, in a different iteration right before the pandemic with my co-founder in Vermont and, and shifted into fintech lending. So today we do small business fintech lending. Uh, we call it micro lending. And we're in this we're in this really unique space of um, helping small businesses recapture working capital after they've spent money already. So imagine going to the store or making a big purchase and that hurting your working capital or your your cash flow, wanting to recapture that cash flow into a three, six or nine month installment loan. So that's mm-hmm. that's punchpay. And the unique thing about punchpay is that it leverages accounting data in order to underwrite the small business. Um, in seconds, so they don't have to go through a long bank or underwriting process to get a loan from us. It's uh, automatically reads their accounting data. And PunchPay was a concept that that came out of my experience running Reconcile. So yeah. those are those are kind of the the ventures. Uh, most of my day to day and week to week is spent uh, meeting with leaders um, or or looking for opportunities to promote and sell the products or services uh, of the companies that I uh, help run uh, and and then pouring into the leaders that that help either run the company in particular reconciled or humanly or I myself am out there um, trying to continue to figure out how to continue to grow uh, an organization like punch pay and how to get how to continue to get the word out about our our product and get more new customers trying trying us out uh, these days, a lot of my time is thinking about what the next year or two is going to look like, especially as mm-hmm. we have a potential coming recession and how do I have uh, all the companies I'm involved with um, continue to thrive and, and do well. And so a lot of my time is focused on talking to investors, just talking to uh, places where we can access capital, as well as making plans to make sure that we have the the runway to, to, keep, to keep going um, mm-hmm. for the next year or two. Um, as most most companies are planning for uh, a tight recession to happen. Yeah. Mm. Wow. It's so neat to hear how all these different things kind of intersect and all share this common heart. And I know that your work with Reconciled, it's amazing to hear how much it's grown in a relatively short time. And it's received a lot of recognition. Um, how did How did you get to the point where you kind of launched into Reconciled and and now these different um, pieces have kind of added on to your work. What led you to having such a heart for small business entrepreneurship? Um, let's back up. T- tell us your story, yeah. your personal story, your vocational journey. Yeah, I, I was uh, born and raised in Tempe, Arizona. My parents came over in the early 80s as Cambodian refugees. Uh, so they were survivors of the Cambodian genocide that happened in the late 70s and were, spent a couple of years as refugee, in refugee camps in Thailand uh, and then came over to the U.S., to Tempe, Arizona, uh, sponsored by a local church called Grace Community um, and, and a bunch of families um, that are involved in that church and several other churches in the valley. So they came over with about 200 Cambodians and I watched my parents uh, become entrepreneurs. They came literally with nothing and whatever support they could get from the government at the time. Uh, they basically started new, a new life and 
begin building building uh, a foundation for for themselves, especially mm-hmm. after a, a traumatic you know several years both through the the killing fields of Cambodia and then in refugee camps. They my 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 dad my father was a cook uh, a chef and he still is a cook today. He can't retire for some reason, so he <laughs> continues to cook in restaurants. But I saw him cook in restaurants and then own restaurants and just work long 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 hours. I. Uh, he would be sleeping when I got up for school and then he wouldn't get home till I, until after I went to bed at night. So I only really saw him on the weekends growing up. And then my mother uh, became a seamstress and eventually opened her own tailoring shops, uh, was able to sell those uh, and then semi-retire. She still does sewing today, even in her retirement um, for mainly around Tempe and for a lot of, for a lot of college students. And so uh, they both love work and they both kind of modeled for us the importance of work and what you could do and what you could create really out of nothing. They they both learned their skills here. Uh, they didn't come necessarily knowing how to be a cook or, or a seamstress when they mm-hmm. landed in America, but they learned the skills and then they put it to work wow. and, it, and it's it's gone really well for them. So we watched them. And so my siblings and I um, are all entrepreneurs. We oh, wow. we all have started businesses, own businesses, and continue to uh, figure out how to create something out of nothing or with with minimal resources. We weren't uh, really given anything from our parents other than a foundation of hard work and 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 modeling that allowed us to uh, realize, wow, you could you could literally start with nothing um, and and figure out how to make make something out of it. Um, so that was. That was my journey uh, as an entrepreneur, and and then from that, I I, I went to Arizona State. I studied business and accounting, um, and that's how I got uh, kind of into the accounting field. Um, and always knowing that I wanted to be an entrepreneur at some mm-hmm. point. When I was in college, even while I was studying accounting, I actually started my first company. I started a software company that was that uh, built software for Palm Pilots. And Palm oh, Pilots, yeah. for those you know, for you <laughs> listeners that don't know, Palm Pilots were like the first smartphone before smartphones were cool. They were only nerds had those. So <laughs> at 18, 19 years old, I think I was the only person I knew that had a Palm Pilot. All my friends had little, little Motorola Razor phones or small Nokia phones. And so my high school friend of I and I, we built software on Palm Pilots. And then that's where my entrepreneurial journey started. But after, after college, finishing college, I took a hiatus for a few years until uh, until eventually started reconcile. That's really where uh, my my huge focus and kind of my biggest success story has been so far. Mm, wow, oh, it must feel so much more um, just significant when you support other entrepreneurs doing this work. When you reflect on your own story and. Yeah, w- were there people who supported your family specifically in their journey that you can reflect and look back on and see yourself now playing that role for others? Yeah, there there's definitely quite a number of people that supported the Cambodian community. When I think of my family, I think of my parents and I think of the my aunts and uncles and the broader Cambodian community because we spent a lot of time together growing up and mm-hmm. my my uncle um is still the pastor of the Cambodian church in Tempe. Mm-hmm. And so I get to see that community every once in a while. And I, I think about the different community members that showed my parents and my relatives how to use a vacuum or lent them different appliances, how to show them how to clean a house, how to, uh, you know, shop 
how to spend yes. money, how to save money, how to go to the bank, how to open a bank account. I, the, these are all things that had to occur, how to enroll in the school system, how to navigate challenges uh, in, in different neighborhoods. You know, we, we lived in, in the poorer parts of, of the Phoenix area growing up because that's what we could afford. And yeah. so obviously we, we also were in the same neighborhoods where there was a lot of violence or, or gang violence. And so how to navigate those things and how to help us as kids avoid uh, getting mm -hmm. into trouble. So that, you know, a lot of the community, especially the church community, wrapped themselves around my parents and my relatives. And I never knew their real names, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and growing up in, in, an, in the Cambodian community, you, you, you never really learned the names of the adults. You always call them uncle or aunt. And even, even the uh, American adults, you never really learned their names. You just call them uncle or aunt. <laughs> so, but I just, I remember, you know, fond memories of individuals hosting us over for meals, bringing meals over, letting us borrow like vacuums and appliances or whatever it is we needed, yeah. helping us get school supplies. And, and so as I think about that, I, you know, I, it, it, you know, that's a great question. I think it indirectly um, probably gave me the desire to want to help people just being able to watch, watch how much that helped my family and supported uh, my parents and my relatives. And so helping entrepreneurs, I mean, I, I don't think I have ever gotten sick of meeting small business owners and entrepreneurs. It's been, mm. it's probably just the most exciting part of my job is when I get a chance to meet with an entrepreneur, hear about their story, what they're doing, their passion, and how we could help in any little way, whether it's directly uh, leveraging our services or indirectly through my contacts and network, um, or just being a, a voice to bounce ideas off of. The entrepreneurial journey is, is a really lonely journey. It's a hard journey. And mm -hmm. being able to be a, a sounding voice and ear, but also being able to have a service that actually helps um, make entrepreneurs more successful uh, it's, it, that's a huge, a huge, huge satisfying feeling. And I think it's great. I think it, it's that your question is a great reminder that is very similar to the, I think the, the things probably the community members felt when they were helping out my parents and my family. Mm, yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm curious. You said that punch pay came out of your experience with running reconciled. Can you tell, tell me that connection there? Yeah. So, you know, reconciled, deals with hundreds of business owners. And one of the frustrating challenges I had uh, with helping reconciled clients get uh, loans or lines of credit or capital from their bank is that the banking system lives in a, uh, you know, the 1970s still. <laughs> and so if you, if you go to any, any bank or, or credit union or local institution, Majority of the time, you're going to still be dealing with old technology. You're going to be giving a, given a paper application or at best a PDF to fill out that you 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 basically fill out on your computer with a lot of information about yourself. And the frustrating part about this is a lot of this information is li is literally sitting in in my client's accounting system. Mm -hmm. So their financial statements, their their business information, um, what what. Uh, what their revenue growth looks like, what their expenses look like, their net income, all that information is sitting there. And so it sparked an idea of how could we help automate the the process of getting a loan so mm -hmm. that a small business, generally when small businesses go go after capital, 
it's at the time they need it. So they need it usually right away. They usually need it in a short amount of time. They don't have weeks or months to wait. And that's unfortunate about how the system works in that the best time to apply for capital is not when you need it. It's actually when you don't need it. Yeah. So, And that's counterintuitive to yes. most small business owners is why would I go get a loan when I don't need the loan? It's because mm -hmm. that's when a bank or commercial institution wants to lend money to you. So when you when you do need it, sometimes it's practically too late because mm -hmm. the time it takes for most lending institutions to give you money, it is way longer than your business is able to sustain. And so what happens then is most small business owners go after really high cost capital that's mm -hmm. last minute and unsecured and tied to their personal credit and is not good for the health of their business. So that's where PunchPay was born was the idea was, okay, we have access to all this accounting data. How could we learn to take accounting data, read it in a, in a quick and efficient manner and give an answer to a small business owner um, or an entrepreneur, whether or not their business qualifies for capital. And can we do it in seconds by just um, automatically attaching to their accounting data? So that's what we built. And, and we started it right before the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit, we spent uh, the early part of the pandemic building the algorithm to do the underwriting automatically um, on, mm. on, on small business data. And then we started uh, lending uh, earlier this year, early in 2022. So wow. um, yeah, so in, you know, uh, like like any startup, it's it's a pure startup. It's a product. It's it's not a service. So it's a very different kind of uh, company, and uh, it it is in the fintech uh, the the fintech industry. And fintech has definitely gotten hit significantly during uh, the mm -hmm. past year in regards to the market. So it's definitely been uh, a, a journey, a roller coaster journey, like many startups, uh, which has been great and great experience and. So, but that's, you know, that's really the idea came from is how do we, how do we help entrepreneurs get capital access faster and more efficiently? And then yeah. how do we focus in an area of capital access that, that not a lot of people are focused on? Hmm. It's really cool to hear how the more you enter into this world, it just opens you up to areas of brokenness that you can then use those entrepreneurial skills to press into. And as I, as I just continue to reflect on your story, just even thinking about the personal brokenness, I, I worked in restaurants for a long time and I know that chefs do, they work such long hours. It is, it's mind blowing and it's such beautiful, incredible. I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate um, people who work in restaurants, but for you, part of your story is that that meant that, you know, your dad was, you, you didn't get to see him throughout the week. So I'm, I'm wondering in doing this work, have you ha experienced the personal side of it? Like hearing entrepreneur stories of how taking on some of this for them has bought back time with their families or has taken off stress so that they can use their creative strengths to build their business. I'm, I'm curious to hear if you have any stories. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so the you know the for ev you know as you mentioned for every chef that's working long hours there is a wife there's kids at home that are losing out on time with that person and in the in the restaurant industries in, in particular but there's other industries as well where the hours just don't align with normal family life right mm -hmm. if you own any establishment that's open in late with late hours a bar a retail store um, entertainment anything where 
most of the customers come at night, right? Most of the customers customers come at night. Then the owner's there, uh, and they're giving up and sacrificing what what most normal people would consider family time or mm-hmm. time with family. Uh, the other part of entrepreneurship is that it there's a high chance of failure. I mean, there's a super mm-hmm. high chance of failure, and most business owners put all of their uh, wealth investment and their risk profile into this business. And so uh, it's a huge cost of capital for them. And at the same time, if they're successful, it's a potential opportunity to create life-changing wealth for generations for them. And not just for them, but for all the people they employ as well. So it it's both a high risk and high reward adventure. And most people that do it, most small business owners that do it, I, I tell, I tell, I give this advice to a lot of people. I said, if you want to, if you uh, want to become a small business owner, entrepreneur, if you're able to replace your, um, if you're able to create a job for yourself that just provides for your family, then you're in this really great uh, group of of percentage of of, of luck and of blessing mm-hmm. that doesn't occur normally. If you're able to create uh, enough money where it actually is actually higher than what you would get in market. And if you would get just getting a job, then, then you're even, even smaller percentage of people that have done that. And then if you're actually able to create wealth and wealth that actually impacts generations, then you're in a very small percentile of people. Um, but entrepreneurship is the fastest way and the one of the most fastest ways to do that and is available to almost everybody, right? It's very, very few barriers to entry. So in regards to you know what we do in serving entrepreneurs at Reconcile, and uh, it we we get we get many entrepreneurs that come to us who have tried to take care of their own finances and their own bookkeeping for years. And if you think about the average small business owner, they are a normal person who probably isn't balancing their checkbook at home. <laughs> is probably running their own personal checkbook through an ATM. Right. Or, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, running up a credit card and hoping they can just pay the credit card off every month um, or making installment payments. That's, that's the normal business owner. It's the, you know, most business owners aren't sophisticated Wall Street finance people. They're just normal people and they go into business. And so they take their personal hmm. uh, financial practices and they run and, and it's poured over into their business. And um, if they begin to see any financial success with their business, well, they begin treating their business like a personal piggy bank mm. and and hoping that it funds their personal life. So there's just simple financial practices that we try to help instill in our in our clients, but also just taking off the piece of tracking it on a regular basis, report um, producing financial reports so they can understand where they where they are in their business, as well as being able to produce their financials for year end so that their tax returns can be done and they're they're staying in compliance. All those things help give peace of mind for all of our clients that we work with. And so it it gives them free time in the evenings, on the weekends with their kids and their families, or it allows them more free space generally and for many of our clients so that they can be focusing on the areas of their business that really need attention, Mm -hmm. uh, which is sell more service, sell more product, focus on the area of their strength. And so so that's that's been a beautiful beautiful aspect of this and we've we've had entrepreneurs go on to you know raise more money because they're they're able to be more confident about their numbers and they were able to go sell more we've had entrepreneurs um, go on to win awards 
mm-hmm. which has has been awesome to see and be uh, be be a part of. We've had entrepreneurs that have gone into Shark Tank, right, and oh, wow. and got an investment on from from there. We've had, uh, and we've also had small business owners and clients that have had to shut down, right. And so that's just the the reality of of entrepreneurship. Um, but fortunately, most of our clients have done done very well and have been able to stay in business, um, and that's been a, a big blessing big, big blessing uh, for us to see and be a part of. Mm, Man, what a gift. (laughs) What a gift to just be intertwined with so many different people's journeys, as you said, and just to get to know their stories and know that you're playing a part in um, whatever they're bringing into the world, whether it's good food or order or whatever it might be. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I'm curious. I found in hosting this podcast and just talking to people in general that Usually they, when they go into a certain field of work, their faith shapes the way they approach it. But then the experience with the work itself ends up shaping um, kind of how they understand God in the world. And so there's that dance where they both kind of shape each other. What what does that look like for you? How have you understood God's work in the world through doing this work? Yeah, I, I would say definitely starting out, uh, there was definitely a, a big influence on the kind of environment I wanted to create for, for the people that I knew I was going to hire. And for me, it was the ability to allow people to be themselves, uh, be the, be the people that God made them uh, and allow them to bring their, both their talents and skills, as well as their whole selves to the workplace. Uh, Before I started these, before I started these companies, uh, Every time I would work, I would work at most places. I felt like there was work, Michael, during the week, during the work week, mm-hmm. and then I leave work and I would have uh, evening, Michael, at home, um, or weekend, Michael, with friends, or weekend, Michael, at church. I would have these kind of split personalities, yeah. and even though I worked with the individuals I did for 40, 50 hours a week at the workplace, I, I never really truly felt like I knew them or they knew me. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to create a place where somebody could be their whole selves, naturally who they are. And that's also a big reason why I set up all my companies, especially Reconciled, as a remote remote workplace in the beginning. So we had both hybrid in the beginning and then remote work permanently for a long time before the pandemic even hit. Mm-hmm. And that allowed people, what that allowed me to kind of connect with an access of diversity of employees across the country and then now the world. But also allowed me to 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 say to you know to the people that come work for me, hey, I'm literally in your home. I'm literally I literally <laughs> get to see get get an insight into you yeah. that most employers would not get. Nowadays, it's normal because all many of us are working from home. Uh, but then it was really really unique. And then my experience running, uh, running, especially reconciling, has been that. Uh, people really, really uh, want to use their gifts and the mm. gifts that God has given them. And they, and right now for, for especially West, our society, Western society, American society, where most people use their gifts is at work, right? Yeah. And if they can, and if they can use their gifts at a workplace, they actually enjoy and they believe in, and that they believe that they're building something bigger than themselves, then, then getting them to light up, getting them to be passionate, getting them to be excited is really easy. 
unfortunately, a lot of people are using their gifts, but they're using it at workplaces that are abusing them or taking them for granted or uh, that they don't enjoy, or they are using their gifts to make money. And then they're really using their gifts outside of work uh, for their real passions on the places that they really enjoy. And I wanted to create a place where everybody that came, especially the accounting professionals I work with came they could come and use their gifts and be excited to use their, use their gifts and not feel like they had to find another avenue to do so outside of work. So that's that's been a journey of mine. And seeing that come into reality has been really, really both encouraging, but also surprising. I mm-hmm. I, I tell people all the time, I'm surprised that uh, that people apply to come work at a place I created. That's a really <laughs> strange concept to me, right? Yeah. Why are you... Why are you deciding to choose to come you, work here? Are you right? sure? Did you mean to put your application in? <laughs> exactly. At this place. And because it, 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 on some level, then it says, wow, you've created something of value. You created yeah. a place of value that people find appealing and enticing and that people are choosing to say no to other opportunities to, to say mm-hmm. yes to the place you've created. And that's always surprising to me and, and, and amazing to me and humbles me, frankly, yeah. in many ways. I also have seen how, you know, how broken we all really are, how broken I am as a leader. I'm, I'm not perfect. And, and I, I share that regularly. I, I make mistakes on a regular basis and I don't try to pretend to be perfect and I'm willing to admit my faults. And we're in an, we're in a kind of, business culture age where being transparent and and being a servant leader is actually a thing that's highly praised right now and that's that's it's, we've come a long way in that in that reality yeah and so it surprises me that i can be as vulnerable as and as transparent as i can be and that there's still a workforce that appreciates that mm. and is willing to step up and actually fill in the gap of weakness that i have as a leader uh, which has been really, really cool to see and watch. Um, I, I, I've, I'd say it also, I've also been stretched um, in many ways because I've had to make hard financial decisions. I've had to make uh, layoff decisions during my time at Reconciled. I've had to uh, make bets on people that haven't worked out, right? I've had to give second or third chances. Um, I've had to fire people, but I also have gotten to celebrate wins, right? And victories and successes. And, um, you know, we've seen a lot of babies being bored <laughs> at, uh, so during my time with employees that worked for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen loved ones, um, you know, uh, employees' loved ones pass away. I've seen kids that have graduated elementary school or high school or college. So there's a lot of both victories, um, successes, as well as, um, you know, things that we've had to grieve mm-hmm. together. And so uh, that... That kind of speaks to me that we have this environment where people can be themselves and bring their whole selves and really have created uh, what feels like a family. I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed by how many of our employees stay connected to one another um, even after they leave. Wow. And they're, and again, the companies are completely remote. All the companies are completely remote settings. So the relationships that are formed remotely having never met each other in person is amazing to me. It kind of yeah, blows me away. Amazing. Yeah. And so it, it teaches a lot, it teaches me about human connection mm. uh, and how God created us to be connected. And even when 
we don't have the physical the vicinity uh, that allows us to do so that we're that we're, we'll find ways to do that regardless mm. um and so that's been really really cool to see and witness oh man it's so beautiful i i recently read a <clears throat> a statistic on um gosh i can't remember the platform but they asked the most significant factors for workers today in what brings satisfaction. And a lot of people thought it was pay, but when they actually answered the question, the number one was belonging, mm-hmm. uh, to have a sense of belonging within the workplace in and through the work that they do, which I just think speaks so much to, yeah, as you said, how God created us for connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what made the pandemic so hard for most people mm. is, is that we took for granted the connections we were able to naturally have when we wanted to have them. Yeah. And then we realized quickly, wow, uh, we really need them. And um, even for companies that we were used to remote work already. So most of our workers, workers work lives didn't change, but because their personal lives changed because of the pandemic, um, it really had an impact. Yeah. Um, on them and their and their and the the way they showed up at work, and mm-hmm. so we need connection. We need other human beings uh, to be surrounded by, and we need to be reminded that we're part of a broader community. We're part of a broader human race, right? A human a group of human beings, and that's how God made us. He wired us mm-hmm. that way to desire that. And so I'm, I I don't think there's a day or week goes by that I'm not reminded by of that. Um, and especially for myself as a, it's, it's weird. I, I run a remote, mostly remote company. I, uh, I don't see the people that I work with physically. So I see them on video regularly. And that's also a challenge for me as an entrepreneur. And so I've had to find ways to connect with other entrepreneurs um, and other business owners um, just physically in person, just, and, or, or other people in the business world in person, just so that I can get that, that, that connection, even though, I see people regularly on video every single day. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's just really interesting. Okay. I know you weren't doing this on purpose, but that is a perfect segue to talk (laughs) about the surge, the entrepreneurs collective that you're starting. So yeah, launching in the spring, you are going to be leading an entrepreneurs collective through the search network. Um, yeah, tell us about that. What what is that going to look like? What's your vision and heart for it? And I'm not sure you need to say why it's important to you because I think the whole conversation has really shown your heart for this this community. But yeah, tell us your vision for this. Yeah, so the, the I'm working with Surge to to launch the first Surge Entrepreneurs Collective. We're really going to be pairing a dozen or so entrepreneurs um, in in the the valley in the greater area to connect with one another and we'll be putting them together in basically peer mentoring groups and I'll be facilitating the first one um, and the hope would be after the first one runs for a season that we're able to launch more so depending on how many how much interest we get and how many applications we get uh, we'll be launching more but really the goal of it is to allow small business owners and entrepreneurs a place um, to connect with other small business owners and entrepreneurs on a monthly basis allow them to learn from another one another, talk about how the gospel and and their faith shapes their business and also talk about just the practical day-to-day and week-to-week things that um, they're dealing with in their business. Um, I've had the fortune of being a part of a peer group for the past seven and a half years. And 
that uh, mainly a, a peer group that is not necessarily gospel centered, but it's a peer group of, of other business owners that I've gotten to connect with and meet with. Um, and it's really benefited me and I saw the power of that. And so when um, I got a chance to work with Serge on, on, on coming with this idea of this new affinity group for entrepreneurs, I immediately proposed to them, hey, I think uh, the entrepreneurship journey is lonely, small business yeah. owners. Um, even if they're surrounded by family and friends, unless they're connected with other small business owners or entrepreneurs that are on the same journey, it's a very lonely journey. And so the Search Entrepreneurs Collective really is a place to help remove that loneliness, help entrepreneurs become more successful uh, and have a facilitated way to meet on a monthly basis. Again, I'll be, I'll be running that first cohort. Um, and then the goal would be to see multiple groups form uh, throughout the Valley. So good. Well, we will definitely put um, a link in the show notes to be able to access more information about it and a link to be able to apply um, for anyone interested. And if you're listening and you're not an entrepreneur, please send it to friends that you know. Um, I know I have a, a very close friend who has been on um, her her journey um, with the small business that they run and and it has been so true. I have stretched myself to understand her journey and to and to really get in her shoes. And I think I've done a good job at it, but it's lonely, <laughs> you know, for her because she she the deeper she's got and in, into the process, leading people, having to make the decisions you talked about, it's so much pressure. And mm-hmm. and she can't just offload on anyone because she's a leader. And and yeah, so I I've, I've seen that you know kind of secondhand. Um, and I'm really excited for just the, the fruit that will, that will come of this group. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited too. So yeah, if anybody's interested, um, please do apply and we'll be hopefully having forming the first group to launch in the spring. Wonderful. If anyone has questions, um, should we have them contact you or what's the best way to get more information if they have questions about it? Yeah, they'll be able to reach out um, based on the on, on the con- on the application form. There'll be contact information for that. You can also find me on on LinkedIn or Twitter. So feel free to reach out, and I'm happy to re- uh, talk to anybody that's interested. Uh, again, Michael Lee, spelled L Y. Uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, Michael, this is this has been um, such a good conversation. I feel like it's connected with me in a very human way, um, not as an entrepreneur, but just so much of what you shared is so essential to how God made us and what he loves deeply about his world. So I just really appreciate you sharing your story and your work with us today. Great. Thank you, Tina. Thanks for having me on. If you'd like to learn more about us or find more resources, you can visit our website, searchnetwork.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. If you have a question, you can also reach out by email, info at surgenetwork.com.